You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin. If you can't hear it in my voice, I am under the weather. I went on my first vacation in three years to San Diego Comic-Con. Had an incredible time being around friends and seeing people and being back there for the first time in three years. And then I come home and I test positive for COVID. So, thankfully, I'm feeling pretty well. You can hear it in my voice. There's a bit of congestion. I'm still a little under the weather, but... I still have a podcast to do. So you're still getting a couple interviews this week on fighter versus rider. Hopefully I'll be back to full strength next week uh, for a regular episode. I was actually going to have Matt Brown on this week to break down everything that unfolded at UFC 277, but unfortunately just not quite feeling up to it today. So I wanted to get this episode out there with a couple of great guests, uh, do the podcast since we've been off for a couple of weeks. And then hopefully by next week, I'll be back to normal or at least some sense of normal after uh, dealing with my first bout of COVID-19. So with that being said, we do have two great guests on the show today. We're going to talk first to former UFC champion and now PFL lightweight contender Anthony Pettis as he gets ready for his rematch with Stevie Ray, a fight that actually comes just uh, five or six weeks after their last fight where Stevie Ray submitted Anthony Pettis with one of the craziest, weirdest submissions we've seen in the sport in recent years. So we're going to talk to Anthony about the submission, about the immediate rematch, and a few other things going on with his career. A little later in the show, we're going to welcome in Sam Alvey, who has actually become one of the most polarizing figures in our sport, mainly because Sam is 0-7-1 in his last fights, in his last eight fights, but yet he is getting another fight in the UFC coming up this weekend at the UFC Fight Night card in Las Vegas. Now, a lot of people have complained. A lot of people have argued why is Sam Alvey getting this opportunity when other fighters get released after one loss, two losses, three losses. 
he's on an 07 and one streak and yet he's still getting the chance to fight out his contract with one fight remaining on his contract so we're going to talk about that with sam we're also going to talk about his recent explosion on tiktok i don't know how many people out there are on tiktok but i actually ran across sam alvey's tiktok uh, account a couple months ago and he actually has some really cool content on there a lot of behind the scenes stuff for ufc a lot of questions being answered about what happens at ufc events and how ufc fighters get paid and all these different things it's a really interesting thing uh i like tiktok a lot and i was really fascinated to hear about how sam alvey kind of became a a bit of a TikTok star. He's got like 140,000 followers, something ridiculous like that. So a lot of conversation to have with him about that. But first things first, let's talk to the former UFC lightweight champion, now PFL lightweight contender, as he gets ready to compete in his first ever PFL playoffs starting this Friday in New York. Here is Anthony Pettis. He is one of the top lightweight fighters in the world, and he will continue his quest for a million-dollar prize in the PFL coming up on August 5th. I am always happy to speak to Showtime himself, Anthony Pettis. Anthony, how are you? Good, bro. About a, about a week away, just uh, getting, getting everything locked in and everything finalized for this, for this playoff spot. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Anthony, of course, we talked uh, after your last fight, which is or your, me, two fights ago going into your last fight. And, uh, you know, I know you talked about the season, how difficult the season at PFL is, how hard it is on you. Of course, that fight ended up not going your way. And then the way things played out, you're actually getting an immediate rematch, which is so rare in this sport under the best of circumstances, but especially something like this, where it's basically six weeks later, you're fighting the same guy again. Um I know you didn't want the loss. I know you wanted to go out there and win. He caught you. That's just the sport. It happens. But were you even kind of like, wow, this is kind of weird. Like, we're going to go into an immediate rematch basically six weeks later. Man, it was kind of weird going into that last fight. You know, I think, uh, you know, me and my coaches, we kind of wanted to play it safe and not get injured because we knew we had to fight six weeks, you know, after that fight. So the game plan really was, you know, to stay in my range and, you know, pick them apart from range and obviously not try to get in some big exchanges with them. And I was doing that good in round one. And then, I don't know, round two, I just went for that single leg outside trip, uh, kind of sloppily. And that, that, that started the, uh, the round exchange. Um, and, you know, big hats off to him. You know, he, he had a, a, a move ready for my escape. You know, I, and during that fight week, I posted, I was like, it works every time. It was like a back escape that I always do. I mean, I, I've done it to Nate Diaz. I've done it to Charles Oliveira, Tony Ferguson, you know, Ben Henderson, you know, the who's who of grappling. And, uh, you know, he must have been watching. You know, he had a, he had a trap waiting, waiting for me, and, you know, he caught me in it. You know, it's kind of weird because when that submission happened, I think the entire world was kind of like, what happened? Because it was such a weird position. And I think those, you know, because I don't think you get nearly enough credit for how good of a grappler you are. Uh, you have incredible grappling. Everyone knows you as the knockout guy. We know you as the flashy striker, but you have incredible grappling. You have a ton of submissions on your resume. So I don't think you get enough credit for your grappling. So when you got caught in that, I was like, it had to be bad because Anthony Pettis doesn't get caught, you know? And then I rewatched and of course, you know, he's talked about it, you know, with the body triangle, kind of like the weird twister position. I only know you know, all these different things. Uh, it kind of reminded me, do you remember that fight back in the day? Ivan Salivary, everyone always brings up the Ivan Salivary body triangle where he had the guy mounted and he had him in the body triangle. And he was basically crushing his ribs is what ended yep. up getting the submission. Can you walk me through that? Like what you remember of that and, and rewatching it? Cause it's one of those things where like, I don't even feel like you got caught. It was just like the, weirdest position ever yeah and no, i actually he caught me man like so uh you know when uh when when we i, I changed the, the ground position i went for the outside trip with my left hand because he's a southpaw I, we ended up in like a weird like uh 
not 50 50 but i had his knee in between my legs and he you know he was almost to the back and in my head i'm like okay i, I know my reversal i know if he takes my back i'm gonna end up on top so i let him take the back i let him put the body triangle in and um, you know, i was fighting the body triangle with my feet and obviously defending with the choke with my hands like i always do and i thought i i got enough room to, to twist around and now when i twisted around like cinched up his body triangle where he had his he had his uh you know the the, the top leg under my right right uh calf yeah i was under my right calf so i turn and i'm like halfway out halfway in you know i thought i had enough space to actually make make the twist happen and then he went over my neck with his arm so my arm was in his arm my neck was in his armpit and then he went under my other my arm so like he kind of had me locked in like this uh body triangle position and the pressure was on my ribs but i felt it mostly on my neck you know, my neck was like getting cranked. So um, when he, when it, I, I watched it again, his coach was like, crank him, crank him. So they, they definitely were practicing that move. You know, he, once he, once he started cranking, you know, I felt the pressure on my rib, but my neck as well. Like my neck was going in a weird position. Like obviously it shouldn't go that way. Um, and I knew I had a fight, you know, a week, you know, six weeks apart. I'm like, yo, I had to make a decision at that point. And I've never been in that position before where I had a, another fight booked during that fight, you know? So it was like, I didn't want to get too, I didn't want to get hurt too bad, you know? So I was like, yo, I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot. You know, if he cranks harder, probably pop a rib or, or pop a neck. So I, you know, I, I was forced to tap out. Is that the kind of the weird part about this season? We talked about the last time and it got a lot of attention and rightfully so you said, you know, this is a whole different animal being in the PFL season because four fights inside of basically six months, you know, you can't get injured. You can't, you know, so many variables, that go against you and and why it's so hard to get to that final match because all these different things were, I mean, look what happened to Clay Collard. One, one judge got the score. He's out, he's out, he's done. You know what I mean? That's a fight we all want to see again. You know, that kind of thing. He's out of the, he's out of the season because one judge, actually two judges got the wrong scorecard, but you know what I mean? Like basically he got, he got tossed cause he lost a fight. Um, is it is that one of the weirdest oddities of a fight like this is like you said like maybe you fight maybe you continue fighting that choke maybe you just you know let him you know basically put you out or whatever you want to say but you know in your head six weeks from now you got to fight again like it's a weird it's a weird dynamic right i was definitely man because I, I was guaranteed a playoff spot you know so like me and him fighting it was kind of like um like i said my me and my coach were like let's play it safe let's 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 out strike him from outside range um you know I, I didn't go for that kill like i like i usually do you know like usually i go in there i'm, I'm trying to i'm out for blood this one was like yo let's, let's play it safe and not get hurt so and then that was my first time actually going into a fight with that mindset and it's the wrong mindset to go into a fight with you know after after the fight i look back at it i'm just like yo like my my training camp was we, we were trying to survive you know we weren't like let's go finish this guy let's go pick him apart where he's bad at um and uh you know it backfired on me man but you know i, I knew i had that that playoff spot you know cinch it was like it was kind of one of those things like do i go and you know try to finish this guy and then and, and get him out immediately or should i go out there and you know play it safe and, and get to my get to my playoff spot and you know i chose the wrong option i should have went out there and tried to you know finish this guy and and it, you know, it backfired on me do you feel like, and I know that I know the mindset's going to be different going into the rematch, but is that something now that you've recognized that, that you recognize what you did wrong and that's not to take anything away from Stevie Ray, but you know, you didn't approach it the way you probably should have approached it, recognizing the, the error, so to speak, that you made, does that give you more confidence going into rematch, knowing that maybe if you had approached it with that kind of, you know, killer, killer be killed attitude that we always know you go into the fights with, that it may have been a different fight. And that's not to take away from what he did and his accomplishment. Good for him. But do you feel like it's a much different animal going into the rematch? Most definitely. You know, I think, um, you know, he, he knows what happened on the, on the first round of striking, you know, and that was me like at, me just playing around honestly and you know, i was like out there throwing jump jump axe kicks and <laughs> butterfly kicks on the first round. and you know, i'm not i'm not that take nothing away from him but yeah i was you know i was very i was i was being very playful in that first round you know that i usually don't 
throw kicks just just to throw them. Um, but I think uh, you know it was an amateur move on my, my on my behalf going for that takedown the way I did. It was, it was a sloppy move, and it cost me the fight, man. And then luckily for me, I get the rematch. You know, six weeks later, five weeks later. Um, but you know, I think that this fight plays out totally different. You know, when I go out there and I'm and I'm I'm looking for the kill, um, you know, he'll feel the pressure. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I got it. The only rematch you've ever had in your career is Benson Henderson. Is that right? Did I miss anybody? Uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Cowboy Cerrone. That's right. Cowboy Cerrone is the other one. Yeah, Cowboy Cerrone is the other. So you've not been a guy who's had a ton of rematches, uh, but this one's even weirder because you generally don't get back to back fights against the same guy. Some people would say, you know, if you beat a guy, you'd say, well, how can I do it better than I did it? On the flip side here, you know, you know, you got caught, uh, you know, you know, he, he, he got you. Okay. That's good. But is it, is it, is it exciting? Are you happy that like, normally we'd say, oh man, maybe you'll get him in the finals. You know, maybe you'll get the rematch. You get him right now. You get six weeks later, you get to correct that mistake. Is that, is that exciting for you? Are you happy that you don't have to wait for the unknown? Meaning will he make it to the finals? Will you see him next season? You get it right now. Yeah, it's been a while since I actually had to submit in a fight, bro. Like, I think, you know, most guys beat me on decisions, if, if you look back at my career. Um, you know, so he actually caught me in a submission. So, yeah, I definitely want that fight back, you know. And I, I know I know it was my fault. And I went, in that, I went into that fight with the wrong mindset. You know, I went in there, like, survive and get to your playoff spot without any injuries. And it, it backfired, you know. So, like, it's kind of a blessing I get to do it right away. And it's what's the cool thing about the PFL, man. This, the season format is anything can happen, man. Like, we could – you know, Stevie probably thought he was done and not going to be in the playoffs. You know, he he had to finish me, and it and it worked. You know, worked out in his favor. He had a submission waiting too. Like I, I can't take that away from him. He had he had that that submission in his back pocket. You know, he knew like if I was going to go for that reversal, he was looking for that body triangle and you know whatever whatever that submission's called. He you know it was it was it was definitely a submission. You know, I I was forced to tap out. But um yeah, I'm 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 glad I get to, to run it back. You know, I think you know I get to write that wrong immediately and uh, show that I'm better than this guy. I know you're not taking him lightly, so I don't want to make it seem like that. But knowing that you had the wrong approach, you went in thinking, I need to be safe. I need to not get injured. I need to just get through this and then get to the next round, get to the playoffs. Knowing you had that mentality, do you feel like you know this is going to be the fight we should have seen the first time? And that's not to take away what he did. He got the win. He'll have a win on his, you know, on his record forever. Good for him. There's nothing. It's not against him. But do you feel like this is the fight we should have seen the last time just because you are approaching it with a different mindset? Yeah, I think we're going to see a totally different fight. You know, I'm not going to go out there and be throwing, you know, fun kicks and just playing around with this guy. I'm going to go out there and look for the kill. Um, and I, I fight southpaws very well. You know, most of the southpaws I fought, I, I beat um, that open side stance. You know, I hit him with some body kicks. I, I already could tell he didn't like that. You know, I even hit him with a question mark kick, you know, got him wobbly a little bit. And I didn't go for the kill, and that's what I—that's what I usually do. So I, I remember that part of the fight when I hit him with that question mark kick. You know, he wobbled a little bit, and I—I I still played it safe. Um, that won't happen in this fight. You know, if I—if I—if I see any blood in the water, I'm going for that kill. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, you talked about, you know, and and I think that's why that last fight surprised me. I think I'm not gonna lie to you because when we talked after the first win, I said. It feels like this is a different Anthony Pettis. And you said to me, you told me, you said, hey, I moved my camp out to Vegas. I've kind of built the camp around me, kind of like what the boxers do. You know, what boxers, you know, building a camp around you and not, you know, not to say you don't love your team. You absolutely love your team back in Milwaukee, but you're building a camp around you for this season because that's what this is. That's what you're supposed to do as a professional athlete. And it felt like you were in a really, really good place. It feels like maybe this is where you need to be. And, and again, I know the loss was unexpected, but is, is, does it feel like this system is still working well for you oh most definitely man like i said that last fight you know the, the way i performed you, i mean I, I watched the fight it was an amateur mistake on the takedown 
and I let him take my bag and I tried a reversal that I've done a million times and you know he had something that was that was waiting for me you know so I can't take that away he definitely had, he definitely practiced that submission and had that ready because I heard his coach even say like squeeze 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 so they definitely knew what they were doing um but you know he's gonna fight a, a totally different fighter right now like this is I, I win this or I go home and that's that's the mindset I'm going in there with finish this guy win this fight and make it to that playoffs and this is this would be like the first break I get this season you know because even right after that fight I went right back to work um knowing that I had a fight five six weeks six weeks away um you know but you know, like I said I can't take nothing from him but this this fight I'm going for I'm going for the kill like I'm gonna go out there and try to finish this guy yeah, we said the last time how difficult it is to even get in this position in the in the PFL playoffs because I don't think a lot of people give enough credit to this format of how difficult it is to even make it this far, much less the finals. I just mentioned earlier, Clay Collard, a guy that, you know, Clay Collard was a guy that thought, man, we're going to see that Pettis rematch. I can't wait. That's going to be a good one. I can't wait for it. And then Haush Manfio, last season yeah. champ. I was like, man, we need to see that because it was such a close fight. A lot of people felt you won that. You know, man, we're going to see that again. They're both gone. They're not, they're out. You know what I mean? And we got Olivier Albin Mercier, of course, and then, you know, Alexander Martinez on the other side. That's not the matchups we thought we were going to see. We absolutely no one. <laughs> Stevie Ray, same thing. I don't think many people would have picked Stevie Ray to be here where he's at right now. That, that, do you feel like what you said to me the last time about how difficult this is, how difficult this format is, how difficult it is to get to this point, like everything you said in our last interview was just proven true by the four people who are in this in this uh, in the finals lightweight tournament because at least three out of the four, and absolutely no disrespect to any of those three, I don't think anyone was necessarily targeting those three guys to be the other three in the tournament next to you yeah not at all man even when i was watching the watching the playoffs like i mean I'm, well, the last the last fight before the playoffs you know i, I saw i saw how we lose i saw uh you know clay car lose and i'm just like man like that could have went either way honestly that, like, that those those two fights well not not how but, but clay and martinez that fight could have went either way you know i think that ground exchange is what you know gave martinez the uh, advantage but um yeah man the season format is different you know the you know scoring these points and getting these points if you if you get a finish in the first round you know luckily i did what i did in the first fight um you know to get my six points and guarantee myself a playoff spot um but yeah man, it's it's definitely different than just going in getting ready for a fight and and having the back-to-back fights you know you got to be a tough dude to go fight six weeks later and five weeks later, you know, after the fight, you can't tell the commission like, yo, this hurts, this hurts, or, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, get some time off. Like you're literally right back in training camp. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway through this season. I'm, I'm ready to go out there and get this playoffs finished with and, uh, you know, get my spot and get in the finals. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because, you know, you throughout your career, you know, you've earned your nickname very rightfully. So is Showtime, both inside and outside the cage. You know, you you don't mind being a talker. You've done press conferences. You don't mind being the showman when you have to be the showman outside the cage. PFL takes a lot of that away in terms of like, you know, getting where you're at. You know, this isn't a, a Conor McGregor situation where, you know, he's just the biggest guy in the sport. So immediately he's going to get the biggest fight. And I get it. I mean, I totally understand. He is the biggest draw in the sport. I totally understand that that idea. But like when they were talking about Connor coming back off a broken leg and then fighting for the title. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, I think Connor's amazing. I think he's an incredible athlete, but you can't have a guy off two losses and a broken leg jump into a lightweight title fight over guys who have been earning it for the past, you know, year, year and a half, two years. I always thought that was crazy. Now, of course, we know that's not the way it goes, but there was talk about it. And I, it wouldn't have shocked me. It probably wouldn't have shocked anybody if they said, yeah, we're going to give him the title shot because that's just how it works sometimes. Do you prefer this format, even though you've had so much of your career, you know, built on accomplishment but you are so also showman you know Anthony, i think that's a compliment to the work you put in to the star power you've built do you prefer this kind of format where everything is earned there's nothing given like i said ideally 
it would be you and Clay Collard in a rematch. It would be Hosh Manfio. You know, it'd be you guys battling and hopefully see some cool rematches and big final and all that. Basically, none of that's possible now. Of course, you and Stevie Ray is a great rematch, but do you like this better than the, you know, than the than the other side of it, which is, you know, maybe it's not always what's earned. It's more about, you know, who talks the best or who who builds the most hype for a fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, popularity contest. Yeah, I mean, and that, I mean, I was I was kind of victim to that too. You know, when I was a champ, everybody was like, "Oh, Pettis is getting the the Dana White favoritism." You know, and this uh, fights that I was getting into. Um, but uh, even when I coached the Ultimate Fighter show against Melendez, you know, they were like, "Oh, Pettis is getting you know special treatment because he hurt his knee." Um, but I, I, this format, you know, takes away all that. It takes away it takes away star power. It takes away what you did in the last fight. Like nothing really matters except for what you did in the, what, what you do in that current fight. So yeah, I think, um, you know, earning a, t- earning a title shot in the PFL and winning a title shot, winning a, winning a title in the PFL is way harder than, you know, building your way up, you know, cause, cause once you're the champ in your races, you know, next year starts over, we're all back in the, right back to the beginning. You know, we all got to earn our spots again and try again to go for that t- championship. Um, and the, the, the way the fights work, you know, it's, five, six weeks back to back, you know, like there's, there's no time for breaks or getting fat or, or having injuries and recovering, you know, you literally are right back to work. Um, yeah. So I would say this format is definitely different and I, I like it. You know, I'm even my coaches like, well, we're starting to fall in love with this. Like, obviously we got the rematch. So it played out in our favor, but we're like, yo, we, we like this format. We like, we like staying busy. We like having the fights guaranteed. And, uh, you know, it's on how I perform. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, and there's an argument to be made for both. I get it. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with, you know, with, with the popularity contest, so to speak, you know, just when it comes to the expense of other people, I think is where other people complain where you're like, Oh, you got a shot you didn't deserve, you know, that kind of thing. But again, the PFL takes all, like I said, ideally, I'm sure the PFL would love to say, Hey, we're going to do the clay collard, Anthony Pettis rematch because we know how great that fight's going to be didn't work out that way and and that's how sports works i mean i'm sure in the in the uh, nfl you know they'd love the two most popular teams to get to the super bowl every year so that way they have the biggest ratings and the most yeah. fanfare but that's just not how it works at all man yeah, this, this 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 is what it feels like you know i feel like i'm part of a season you know, like even in this rematch it's like it's something like it, you know something that happens in nba nfl baseball you know like teams are are, are guaranteed you know they, they lose they get to play again the next sunday or the next you know the next baseball night so like getting this rematch is it definitely just just shows that this pfl format's you know some difference a totally different beast can i ask you about the other side of the bracket of course uh you know olivier abin mercier and alexander martinez really interesting matchup and of course i know your full focus is on stevie ray and avenging that loss and getting the win but of course you know you win everything goes well on august 5th you'll face the winner of that fight can i get your thoughts on that matchup and if you if you lean one way or the other in terms of who you think is going to come out on top well, honestly, Alex, Mar- Alex Martinez surprised me in the last fight. You know, I think you know most people picked Clay Collard to win that fight, and uh, you know he went out there and just just got after it, bro. His 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 like Taekwondo range. You know, he has like a, a good striking range. He has very good grappling. He's not afraid to mix it up with the takedown. So I mean, he's definitely a tough opponent. Um, OAM, you know, picked apart you know Raouche very with a, with a smart game plan and you know, what I expected from him. You know, he has he has a great corner. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that fight plays out. And I'm, I can't even pick a winner on that fight because Martinez is definitely surprising people with with the style of fights he's bringing. He's definitely he's entertaining too. You know, Martinez is an entertaining guy. Um, OAM's a very smart fighter. He has he you know he's been he's been in there with some some killers already. Um, and you know he had a great game plan against Haouf. So like I, I, it'd be hard to pick a winner on that fight. But I'm the main event, so I'll see I'll see who uh, you know I'm fighting <laughs> next before before they will see it. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I love the you know the potential into those fights, and and you got to know, like I said, everyone, ever almost everyone that fights you, you know, chances are they're going to come in, they're going to say they're going to do one thing, and then they're probably going to die for a takedown. And you got to know, probably either one of those guys, absolutely nothing against Alexander Martinez or OAM, but uh, kind of seems like that would be the style. But I know you embrace that. You embrace everyone. Whether you want to take me down or you want to, you know, stand and strike, you embrace that kind of fight because uh, you got to, you know, you know, ninety five percent of people are not going to want to stand on the outside and trade strikes with you. So you got to, you kind of know going in into it no matter who wins in the other matchup you know there's probably gonna be a point where they're, they're going for your legs that's what the crazy thing is you know like in the, in the steve ray fight i initiated that takedown that caused you know the submission to happen and usually that you know i don't i don't initiate takedowns you know i'm i let the other guy shoot and then we end up on the ground um so yeah it was some, something else frustrating you know after watching that fight seeing what the, the amateur mistake i made i'm like yo that was a dumb mistake and it won't happen again yeah. Real quick before I get you out of here, Anthony, I was going to ask you this last time we got into a great conversation. I forgot to mention it, but I did want to ask you, you know, you've had a lot of big wins in your career and, and guys, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys like I, I, when I, when I have a great sports team, like I'm a Bengals fan when, when my team loses and, and in the playoffs, let's say I kind of root for the team to beat us. Cause I'm kind of like, you know what? I want to see them go on to do great. Cause it proves that my team was, you know, good. The, the best team to be my team goes on to win. I'm kind of rooting for them. And, you know, I know you've had a lot of big wins throughout your career, but one guy in particular, I wanted to ask you about a guy you have a win over is Charles Oliveira. You know, you had a, a, a big win over him when you went down to featherweight. And, and now you've seen you were one of the last guys to beat Charles Oliveira because the guy's gone on an incredible streak. Do you like, have you been impressed to see where he's gone on and been able to do since you fought him? You beat him again. I think it's you and Paul Felder. I'm pretty sure the last two people to beat him. Uh, yep. It's kind of crazy to see what he's gone on to do. But do you look at a guy like this and say, man, like in a way, like obviously you're not in the UFC anymore, but do, do you look for him to kind of root for a guy like that? Yeah, man, you got to, bro. Like he's 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 like a vet, you know. He's been around for a long time. He does have losses on his record, but he turned it around. And that's the crazy thing about mixed martial arts. It's like not it's not like boxing where you have one loss and you're out of this thing. Like you can turn it around, and you, know? you see guys do that. Um, you know, when I fought Oliveira, he uh he was I think he weighed in at 143 pounds, and I was 146. He was he was he was under the the featherweight you know weight limit. Um, and then yeah, Paul Felder, my teammate, you know, so we we are uh, as teammates, we were the last guys to beat Oliveira. But to go on to see what he's doing right now, man, he's he's well well rounded martial artist, bro. His his striking I already knew was a problem when I fought him, but now his jujitsu totally different level than most guys, man. So yeah, it's 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 amazing to see what he's doing. And for me, it's always to see it's it's always awesome to see guys do well financially. You know, like how Manafia went in that last season, he he was able to quit his job and you know, become a full time fighter. I, I experienced that in my fight career, so I know how that feels. And I guarantee Alvarez, you know, on you know a totally different level than where he was at before and uh, it's cool to see man so it sucks that he lost his belt you know due to that weight cut uh, i heard a, a lot of rumors about what happened on that scale but uh you know right now he's the best 155 you know uh, in the ufc roster yeah absolutely and and let's not forget you have a submission over the guy with the most submissions in ufc history there's a little feather in your cap too if you, you know just throwing that out there man you know i know you have a lot of submissions yeah, man, but sure. that, no. that's gotta feel good right most definitely, yeah. Knowing what he's doing now, yeah, I got him with the guillotine, and uh, I heard him with some body kicks as well, bro. So like, you know, he 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 came ready for that fight. That was a, that was a war that I had to dig deep on, you know. Like he, I, I thought I dropped him, knocked him out early, and then I punched him in the head, and he woke back up. And then I'm like, oh shit, now we're exchanging on the ground. <laughs> uh, the crazy thing is, I did that back escape Talavera like two times, you know, that that, that that my 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 signature back escape. So I guarantee Stevie Stevie was you know watching that watching those fights, and he was ready for it. So yeah, it's uh. It's crazy how MMA math works, bro. Like, you know, th things, anything can happen in these fights. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, like with Oliveira, like the way that he's had some losses. And, and when he lost to your teammate, Paul Felder, people are probably thinking, well, 
he's just not going to be, he's never going to be that guy. You know, he just got, you know, he got knocked out and he got, you know, he, he had some loss of featherweight. He had this big loss of lightweight. Maybe he'll never be that guy. And he goes on this incredible streak. And we have a terrible tendency in this sport of writing people off way too soon. You know, we have a terrible tendency of you lose yeah, yeah. one and suddenly you're done. Great example. Like you, you had a couple losses in the UFC. Immediately people say, well, Pettis is done. Yeah, he's done. He's not the same Pettis anymore, which is utterly ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like I said, I thought coming out of your last fight, you would look the better than you'd ever looked. You look confident. You look like you had things together. Credit to Stevie Ray for catching the way he did. But we have a terrible tendency in this sport of writing people off way too easily, like when they're not done. And I feel like, you know, you're on, you're in a, in a different kind of curve in your career and kind of like Oliveira, like you could easily go on another run where you win 10 or 11 in a row. Like it's not impossible to do that. And I, I hate that's There's one thing I hate about this sport is we are way too judgmental way too quickly. For sure, man. I hate, I hate seeing it too. I see fighters fall victim to that all the time. You know, they're, they get like a little pop around on social media. All the fans love them. All of a sudden they lose and their confidence is, is gone. You know, social media, everybody's talking crap about them. You should retire. You know, like I've, I experienced that and I've seen a lot of fighters go through that and it causes like these guys to go into depression. As my biggest advice for Sergio was like, yo, with this injury, find out who you are outside of fighting, man. Like you, you are, you are a different person outside of Sergio Pettis, the fighter. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad my little brother is getting the experiences without losing and, and finding out that that person. Cause it is, it is, it's like a lonely road, man. It's like a dark, a dark road. You can either, you can you know come out of it with the light or you can like follow that road and start believing the hype and start believing what everybody's saying. Um, but yeah, I experienced all of it, bro. I've, I, I was on a, the, the, the title fight win streak, the four fights out of a title fight, moving down to 45, and you know, I experienced moving up to 70. I, I experienced pretty much all of it in this sport. And, uh, you know, you, you just got to listen to yourself and your coaches and make sure you're, you know, you're true to yourself. Look at Oliveira. Like you said, Oliveira, you know, lost a lot of fights in a row, and kill, now he's killing it. Now everybody's like, oh, he's the number one pound-for-pound fighter. And, and I think, you know, he's very close to that, to, to taking that title as well. Yeah, absolutely. We like I said, we're, we have a the tendency in this sport is we build people up and then we love to tear them down. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. I think that's the downside of this sport. We love to build them up where you're the greatest thing, and they'll tell you, man, you're the greatest ever. Oh my god, you're the greatest lightweight ever. You're the great. You lose one fight, man. What a bum! I cannot believe this guy is such a bum. It's a horrible thing with this sport. Every single time, it drives me insane. It is, man. It's it's definitely. Um, I think fans are just we get so many fights and we got so many fighters now that it's like, you know, they, 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 they take it for granted. Like some of the greats, man, like even Anderson Silva to see what he's doing right now. Everybody wrote him off. Like, Oh, he's, he's done. And look at what he's doing in boxing, man. He's like, I still think Anderson Silva's the goat, you know, of, of martial arts, like to see what he's doing in boxing, what he did in, in the UFC. Um, you know, for me, that's one of that's, I'd say he's one of the goats. He is the goat. Yeah, I'm happier. I am happier for Anderson Silva than I could be even like I could even express like see he looks so happy out there doing what he's doing and he's doing amazing. Like I'm so happy for that guy because he is he's a legend. He's an icon. Like I got so excited to watch him fight Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and get that win. Like I was so happy. Like He looked like he was having the most fun of his entire career. And then I see him follow it up with Ortiz, man. I'm like, man, he's he's just in a great spot right now, and that's awesome. And then I don't even know how old he is right now. What do you, you know his age? I think he's 47. 47 years old doing that, man. It's amazing, you know. Like that's that's like most people take it for granted. They don't understand what what how it what it, what it takes to do that at 47 years old. Let alone what he did in the UFC, you know. Like, like I said, for me, uh, Anderson Silva is you know one of the goats. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Anthony, I always appreciate the time. I, I cannot wait for this rematch. I look forward to it. I look forward to uh, the playoffs. Are you happy uh, this is in New York and not London? Not to say you wouldn't have loved to you know, fight in front of the London crowd, but uh, not as much travel. I know I know you've, probably, you've traveled all over the world during your career. I imagine you probably appreciate when you don't have to travel quite as much. 
Man, I love. I was supposed to fight in New York. I was supposed to fight Kiesa, but that Conor McGregor bus situation happened, and Kiesa got cut. Remember, like, uh, absolutely. That so that was my first time actually scheduled and about to fight in New York. So this is my first time fighting in New York. So I'm very excited. You know, we have a lot of Puerto Rican fans, a lot of Hispanics in New York. So I'm expecting a a full crowd, and I'm a I'm gonna go do what I do best. I love it. Well, Anthony, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time for me as always. Best of luck coming up next week in the fight, and we will talk soon, okay? Appreciate it, bro. All right. Bye-bye. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you, of course, to Anthony Pettis for coming on the show. Definitely appreciate him. Always appreciate chatting with him. He's always one of the fun guys to talk to. Always something interesting to say. I really enjoyed what he said about Charles Oliveira as well. Of course, he's one of the last people to actually hold a win over Charles Oliveira when they fought at Featherweight a few years ago. So uh, really fascinating stuff there. Looking forward to his rematch with Stevie Ray as he looks to move on and become a millionaire through the PFL playoffs this season. Up next, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to talk to Sam Alvey. He makes his return to action this weekend at the UFC Fight Night card in Las Vegas uh, at the Apex. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, uh, Sam has become a very polarizing figure because he has continued to get fights in the UFC despite a lacking resume, let's say, an 0-7-1 record in his last eight fights. Yeah, he's still getting one more fight, at least one more fight in the UFC this weekend. I've never quite understood why anyone advocates for fighters to get fired. Uh, never really made a whole lot of sense to me. You can argue and say, well, this guy or girl got treated unfairly and they got released, but I promise you, and you'll hear me talk about this in the interview as well, the UFC never gets rid of anybody that they don't want to get rid of. If they want you around, they're going to keep you around. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, I mean, do they purge the roster from time to time? Absolutely. If they have too many fighters on the roster, they will go on a streak where they release a whole bunch of people in a row. But 
if they want you on the roster, they're going to keep you on the roster, just like when they released Kevin Lee. If they wanted Kevin Lee around, they would kept they would have kept Kevin Lee. They got rid of Kevin Lee for whatever reason, even though I didn't necessarily agree with it. They got rid of Kevin Lee. Didn't make a whole lot of sense with the potential and the things that he showed, but ultimately they decided to get rid of him. Then you look at a guy like BJ Penn, a legend of the sport. He continued to get chance after chance after chance, even though he was having really bad performances. Again, legend, I understand, Hall of Famer, but they continued to give him opportunities until they just couldn't do it anymore. With Sam Alvey, yes, he's not a BJ Penn. We all know that. I don't think Sam Alvey would compare himself to a BJ Penn in any way, shape, or form outside of maybe in terms of experience because he's had you know a lot of fights in his career. But Sam Alvey's a guy who stuck around, took fights when he didn't need to take them, took opponents when he didn't need to take them, stepped up in different weight classes, so on and so forth. And I've never understood the uh, the idea that, you know, uh, because the guy's getting a shot that somehow it's his fault or the UFC should have dumped him in favor of someone else. Because I promise you, that's not how it works. If the UFC wants you, they're going to keep you. If they want to get rid of you, they're going to get rid of you. That's just how it works in the UFC. Um, there's a reason Nate Diaz is fighting Hamza Chamayev on the final co- final fight of his contract when, you know, does that fight make any sense in whatsoever in any sense of the word? Absolutely not. But we all know what's going on there. They want Nate Diaz to go out on a loss. We all know that. It, it, there's no shock there. It's not new business that they're doing this. This is old things the UFC has done for years. So, again, they didn't want to get rid of Sam Alvey. They wanted to allow Sam Alvey to have one final fight on his contract. And we'll talk to Sam about that, about his hopes for the future, maybe coming back to the UFC or fighting elsewhere. And, of course, we'll also talk, as I mentioned at the top of the show, about his growing TikTok business, which is pretty interesting. So, with that being said, let's talk right now to the one, the only, smiling Sam Alvey. He makes his return to action against, and I practiced this, hopefully I can get it right, Mikhail Oleksiejczyk. I think I got that right. <laughs> always always fun to speak to my old friend, Sam Alvey. And I say old friend, you're not old, but we go back a long ways. Yeah, man, I'm getting older. Man, in fighter years, I'm like 103. <laughs> well, Sam, I appreciate you. It's funny. I texted you to set this up, and I was like, man, we do go back a long ways. Like, I was trying to remember the first time we ever spoke, and I think, I don't know this, I remember doing the feature on you and your wife years ago, but I was like, I can't remember the exact first time, because I know we go back a long ways. I want, It was before The Ultimate Fighter. I just can't remember when it was. Yeah, if it was with my wife, it was probably King of the Cage up in uh, Lac de Flambeau, Wisconsin, maybe. That might be it. We did a few. I always remember we did a future. I remember I called it was so generic, but it, it was cool. It was I called it the Beauty and the Beast. I'll never forget. I yeah. did that feature on you guys, and I, I'll never forget that feature. Yep, yep, yeah. That that must have been uh, like, like the flambeau up in that uh, king of the cage. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So, Sam, uh, obviously, fight is a matter of days away. Uh, how is everything? I know it's a very generic question, but how was training camp? Now that everything's pretty much wrapped up, and you're just getting ready to fight. Uh, shoot, everything went great, and as of now, my opponent is still my opponent, so that's <laughs> good news. Uh, there's usually. My has three or four fights. It's been the week of my fight. It gets it gets changed. So there's still time for it to to change on me. But as of now, everything's still going according to plan. Yeah. Now let me before we get to the fight stuff. This is fight related. Just fight adjacent. You know, I noticed because I listen. I have to kind of live my life on social media. It's kind of required for my job. You know, we have to be on Twitter and Instagram and all these kind of things. But I never imagined. What I would see is Sam Alvey, the TikTok star. Now, you have oh. quite a following on TikTok. You have like 139,000 followers, more than that on TikTok. And you have, 
I'll be honest. I've covered the sport for 20 years, and you actually have like a really fascinating, interesting TikTok. I love it. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, I love TikTok. I, 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 um, I coach kids, or I used to when I lived in California. And one of the kids' parents said, "Sam, you should do TikTok. You'd love it." And I, I said, "Ah, I need another social media. Like, I need a hole in my head." And they said, <laughs> "I'll give it a shot." And it was almost immediately I was addicted to it. I just love it. It is so impressive how talented random people are and how many skills there are that I would have never even thought was a skill. And so that I get to go and be part of be part of that in any way, I've just jumped at it. Now and, and I realize I've I've fought God, I've fought so for so long now. I've got so many fights under my belt uh, that I have some unique stories, some unique perspective to what I do. So a lot of my, I mean, obviously a lot of my TikTok is behind the scenes of what happens at fights, what happens at training and stuff like that. And I, I've really enjoyed doing it. It's uh, I love it. My girlfriend turned me onto it. She tried, she kept trying to get me on there. I was like, I, I was like you, I don't need to be on TikTok. I was like, why do I need to be on TikTok? How is it that different from Instagram or Twitter? And then I got on there and I'm addicted now. I'm on there like every night I carve out like a half hour to just watch TikTok videos. But I ran across uh-huh. yours. I ran across yours a few months ago and like w- one of the things I love about TikTok is like, like you said, like I'll follow people and like, I love movies and TV and I'll follow like behind the scenes, people telling me like how it works, how the, how the sausage gets made, so to speak. And you do a lot of that uh, for the fight industry. And I'm a guy who's covered the sport for 20 years. And even I learned stuff watching your TikTok. Like it's a lot of fun and kind of like an inside look at the sport that you don't just get through interviews or, or even like, you know, normal stuff you see on TV. Like it's really fascinating. Yeah, I, I really have taken a shining to this little formula. I mean, it's in in one minute segments, I'm amazing. If I get past <laughs> a minute, then I then I might start boring you a little bit. But in little minute segments, I I really got something to tell people, and uh, I I love interacting with people. It's a, it's a much more personal uh, experience I have on TikTok than any other of my social medias. Yeah, have you been, it looks like you're having fun too. Like it's not just instructional things. You also kind of react to other videos and and do the yeah. uh, you know, you stitch yourself with it. But it's it seems like you're having fun. Yeah, it's I really enjoy it. Uh it's really helped uh bring up my my game and everything else. It's actually so I do YouTube now too. And YouTube's hard. And I really had no interest in doing it until I got into TikTok. And now I'm kind of like, you know what? This little minute idea I had on TikTok, I've got more to say about it. And I've been able to put that into some of my my YouTube videos now, too. And so it's it's TikTok has helped my other social medias. Uh, I, I wish all of this was around when I was a, a younger fighter. Uh, but I, you know what? I'm getting older, but I'm still I'm still loving it. Yeah. Can I ask? Because again, I said, I learned things, even though I've been around the sport, I learned things like one of my favorite, one of your TikToks, which crack, I was aware of this one, but it still cracked me up was the one you did about fighter meeting. Someone's like, what is the fighter meeting? And basically you said it's somebody yelling at you to go out and earn $50,000. And I cracked up because I think people always have this misconception when they are fighter meeting, like it's this big, important thing. It's basically them shouting at you, like to go out and have a good fight and be entertaining and don't curse on TV. And you said that basically that was exactly what you said. And it cracked me up because I think people always have this misconception what these fighter meetings are all about. And you said it, and I was cracking up laughing because you, it's exactly what you said. Yeah, no, that that is. I, I got a big response to that too because people expected it to be more. I said, no, it's either 
Sean, uh, Mick, or Dana coming in and kind of cussing at us for, for four minutes to do a good job, and you know that there's fifty thousand dollars you could win, or possibly a hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's one thing I learned on your TikTok, and I got to ask you about it because this is one of the things I learned. We, you were talking about another rules okay. thing, and you said the most important contribution that John Jones has ever made to the sport was the change they made to the rule about hands up versus hands out. And they call it the John Jones rule. Now, to be clear, we all, media, fighters, everybody, knows and have gossiped or talked about John Jones with the eye poking. We all know it. John's addressed it. We've all seen it. I know people have talked about it. But you actually said, and I was I'm completely unaware of this, that the, the judge or the, the referees or whoever's giving you the instruction, they have actually dubbed it the John Jones rule. Like when they give you the, when they lay out the rules to you, they actually say that to you? Yes, yes, yes. Now the the I mean the rule has been in effect for years now, and so the further we get away from the birth of the rule, the less they say it. But for a long time, because well, it's a John Jones rule, you know, you can't have your fingers out anymore. They've got to be up, uh, uh, and they 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 called it the John Jones rule, uh, and it was the the referee. I mean, I'm trying to remember which referees it were. I mean, Herb Dean, I'm sure has said it. Uh, I, mean, I haven't. I haven't had Big John in a decade yet, uh, but uh, but all a lot of the referees closer to when the rule first came into about, they all called it the John Jones rule, uh, and it was because of him. Uh, he and and it's it's almost unfair because he hasn't poked anyone in the eyes in, in a while now. Uh, he's fighting less, but it hasn't happened in a while. But it was because of him that I that was told to me that the fingers are not allowed to be that way anyway; that they have to be up. Yeah, it's crazy because that is something we because eye pokes are so relevant in our sport. And unfortunately, you've been a victim of that uh, very recently in one of your fights. You know, you've been a victim. Of that, and we because I'm a big proponent, like I say this all the time when guys get eye poked, because 99, 98% uh, of the time it's preventable. Guys are you know putting their hands out. Guys are reaching things like that with their fingers out. And that's when it happens. And I'm a big, like, I'm always like, why is the referee not taking a point away? Because that's such a dangerous move. And it can, and we've seen it recently. A couple of fights have ended for my pokes. And, and rightfully so. Listen, I am by no stretch of the imagination a fighter, not going to pretend to be a fighter. But in the relative times I've trained with grappling, I remember one time I got a pinky in my eye and it sucked real bad. I couldn't see for the next day. It took me like 24 hours to get my vision back and actually open my eye. And it was just a pinky to the side of my eye. So it sucks real bad. But like this is a real thing. Like people, I, I think people don't understand how bad an eye poke sucks. And like that little rule change of not putting your fingers out versus putting your hands up—that's a big deal. It is. It is. I and I'm with you. I think one eye poke should be an immediate uh, point deduction. If it happens twice, the fight should be off and it should be disqualification. I mean, I I, I think that the most relevant one recently is uh, Sean O'Malley, and everyone's oh, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It was over the eyelid. It hurts a ton. Uh, earlier this week, I had a buddy of mine. He he punched, and I actually thumbed myself in the eye. And it was dumb on my part. In our fight, it should have been no one's fault. But it was over the eyelid, just kind of hit the top. And it took me out for four minutes. I mean, as I couldn't get my eye to stop watering. I couldn't stop blinking. It just, it just hurt a ton. Uh, and a simple eye poke will change the fight. Uh, what it turns out, a lot of people didn't understand. I mean, everything I read was... He, uh, what was it, uh, Munoz. Munoz didn't even take us five minutes. With eye pokes, you don't get five minutes. With eye pokes, it's if you don't say you're fine, the fight's off. Uh, 
Um, and it's, it's really hard to say you're fine. Uh, because you're, you're a slight eye poke means you're not fine. And not only does it hurt, but it changes the way you fight. I I've been not my last one, but like three, three prior to that, I've been poked a bunch and it's, you, you'll watch, I'll go from taking the lead in the cage to getting eye poked to I'm laying back because I'm scared of getting poked again. Um, it's one of the, I, I wish I was, especially against the Wellington tournament fight. I wish I was smarter. I wish I would have stayed down. Uh, it would have changed the outcome. It would have changed everything. Uh, I would have made a lot more money, but it's one of those things. One eye poke will change the way you fight can change the outcome of a fight. Yeah. Fighters are, fighters are incredibly tough and we know that. And fighters are sometimes their own worst enemy because you want to fight, you know, guys will go in compromised because of something like that. And I know, maybe you heard, did you hear they're trying to make a rule change now where you do get five minutes for the eye poke? I hope it happens. Like, I listen, I absolutely think you should get five minutes for a growing shot too. But like the eye poke in a weird way, like a lot of times it's worse. Like I've been kicked in the junk before. Now it sucks uh-huh. real bad. But usually, I, you know, I, unless it's a real, real bad one, you know, I can kind of shake it off a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, but getting an eye poke, like even a small eye poke, like it takes you a few minutes just to gather yourself and not see double or not see blurry vision like it's a pretty messed up thing to happen yeah i you know i've been i heard they're talking about it my, my coach uh um, joe daddy stevenson he was telling me about it and i gotta think about it more i'm not sure i like it i kind of like that if you don't say you're okay they stop the fight because five minutes i mean five, you get poked in the eye hard or it glancing what it hurts it will change the way you fight, whether you have five minutes or 10 minutes or, you know, you're still in that cage. You're still five minutes from the time of the poke. You're going to be blanking a little more. You're more aware that flinch reflex is going to be in you, whether you want it to be or not. You're going to start shying away from that poke. Um, I, I, I've been looking, but I can't find the number. But I would suspect that people that have been eye poked lose pr- most of the time. I can't find the number. I'm just judging by what I've seen over the course of my career. But I would suspect that people that have been the victim of eye poking have lost, I, I'll bet you, at least 75% of the time. Yeah. Well, I think the bigger rule change would be, uh, you know, counting it as a point deduction. And if a fighter can't continue, it's a disqualification. Like we've seen it a couple of times. I know yes. Mike Jackson had his fight and you know, we rewatched that one. Like I called it an eye gouge. You know what I mean? He full on had his finger like digging at the guy's eye when he got disqualified. But we have that tendency when they say it's an accidental foul. Well, it's not accidental. You put your hand out, you know, you're, you're, you're jabbing at a guy, whatever the case may be. It's not accidental. I think that also needs to be conditioned as well. Cause if you can't continue, why should you lose half your money? Like, that's my bigger issue. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are you now have a, why do you have a no contest on your, and the other guy gets away with it, at least have the point deduction or be more quick to do a point deduction. So if they do score, they can say, okay, well he's out or it's a disqualification. Like, not that I want everyone to get disqualified, but it is a foul. I mean, it is illegal. Yeah. I I tell everyone I've got over 80 fights and I have never once poked anyone in the eye. It's a very easily prevented uh, foul and I I've never done it and I'm just one guy but I've got a lot of fights I've, I've got more fights than most two guys uh, and I've never poked anyone in the eye um, so accidents happen I guess but it's in the in the ring it's your job to make sure the accidents don't happen yeah but I was fascinated the John John rule that was a new one and I had a laugh not that it, not that it's like laughing matter but like I had never heard that that like referees actually called it the John Jones rule I was like wow that's pretty fascinating because again TikTok can be very educational 
Yeah, it's a lot of my students, uh, my younger students, they use TikTok when they use Google. Like if they want to learn something, they go type it into TikTok and they, they find the answer that way. Now, I because I do follow a lot of MMA people and I and I watch a lot of MMA videos on there, I run across a lot of the pseudo MMA people teaching self-defense, teaching weird things on there. And I was actually talking to another fighter. I'm sure you know Matt Brown. And Matt Brown was trying to get more uh -huh. active with his YouTube and TikTok. And I said, I tell you what, Matt, like if you want to make videos, like they don't need to be some grand you know, giant in production, just go on there and show people how to do things and, 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 you know, instructions, things like that. And they're going to dig it, whether you're, you know, whether you're putting on a $5 million production, or you're just filming it on your phone, but does it ever drive you crazy? And it doesn't just, it doesn't just fall to YouTube, but it could fall, or excuse me, TikTok, we fall to YouTube or Instagram. But as a fighter, do you ever get driven a little crazy when you see the, the instructionals from people who, at least from my judgment, probably have no idea what they're talking about, or if they think they know what they're talking about, they're teaching completely the wrong things. And this is from a guy who's just watched the sport most of the time. I'm like, what are you teaching people? What are you trying to teach people? Yeah. You know, on TikTok, if I see something like that, I can stitch the video. I can show it and then correct it myself. So on TikTok, I kind of like those videos because I can make a point of pointing out why they're wrong. Uh, and so, so that adds to my content creation. So I kind of like that. But but watching so many people say the wrong thing uh, and then getting a big following because of it. Who is it? Uh, the Detroit, the Detroit, Detroit self-defense guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's always got the cat. I'm sure you've seen his stuff. Yeah. He's one of those guys that you watch it and you say, dude's going to get someone hurt someday. Uh, but you, then I can take it, I can edit it, and I can make it my own in, in a way. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because you're right. I see some of those, like, it's always the, this is what happens if you're in a street fight thing. And I'm just like, you're really going to get someone hurt to try to teach these people what you're trying to teach them. <laughs> like, it's always really, and it's really bad. Like, and, and so like some of them kind of freak me out because I see they have like 200,000 likes on a video. And I'm just like, I hope people are liking it because it's funny, not because they're actually going to uh, use this in real life. Yeah. I, I love that. I love the bad self-defense, you know, street fighting thing. I, it, most of the time I can edit that with a real simple saying, listen, the best self-defense you have is a real good pair of running shoes. Fighting hurts. <laughs> Try not to do it. If someone's coming at you, be faster than them and you'll win. <laughs> yeah. Now, Sam, you've been a professional fighter for a lot of years, but I also, and I say this to you as a compliment, you're also one of the nicest guys. You got your nickname Smiling Sam Alvey for a reason, because you are genuinely a happy person. You never strike me as the kind of guy who goes looking for trouble. Have you ever been in a street fight? I am 0-1 in the street. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was a bouncer. Uh, and it was the slowest night of the year. It was, it was St. Patty's day. Nobody came in until like 1145 at night. And then uh, a bunch of native Americans came into the, this bar I was working at and they were already pretty lit. They were, they were well up. And I was handling one thing on this, you know, inside the bar and my manager was handling two guys on the outside and I saw them shove my manager. So I went out that way, shoved them again. I double legged them. I said, knock us off. I can't. And as I did that, Everyone that was there came outside. First guy came running up to kick me in the face. And that was pretty much all there was. I don't know who got me. I more or less woke up 10 minutes later talking to police. It was the weirdest thing. I, I came to my senses talking to police. Like, I don't remember the police getting there. I don't remember standing up or chatting with them. 
But all of a sudden, I was up and I was there's cops there, and I the first thing I remember saying is, "I don't know who kicked me, but I want to press charges." <laughs> and they said, oh, "We have no idea who kicked you either." <laughs> but, but yeah, so I I counted as a loss. So I'm the one in the street. <laughs> how many? How long after that did you stay a bouncer? Uh, a while. Like that was the first. It was it was kind of a shitty bar. It was always slow. So it was a real easy gig, and it worked around my training. Uh, <laughs> So that was like the only problem I've ever had there. Uh, and I, and I lost it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, see, that's the, that's the other danger when people tell you self-defense in street fights, because you don't account for the three friends in the corner or the other guy, you're yep. not watching behind your back or, you know, the guy who's got, you know, uh-huh. cowboy boots on, or, you know, there's little things you don't account for in these self-defense courses. Oh yeah. Yeah. As soon as there's two people as badass as I am, <laughs> Two people's two people. I said, I just need one of them to grab me, the other to hit me, and I it's it's an it's it's over. Yeah, and there's it's... always the second man. <laughs> always, but I do mm-hmm. I do get a kick out of some of the viral self defense ones. Like I'm sure you saw, you remember that one? I think it was from last year. The wrestlers, and I think it was in Oklahoma in the bathroom. Did you see that video where the guy? got mouthy and like the one dude was really short and he was taking like a football player from Oklahoma and he ended up double legging him and slamming him to the toilet. Do you remember that video? And he just beat the hell out of this guy. It was like oh, a little shoot. Food. I'm gonna it was like a, it was like a five foot seven wrestler against like a six foot three football player. And the football player started mouthing off and the dude literally picked him up and dumped him on his head. And I was like, well, that's what you get for messing with a wrestler. Oh man, that would happen in the cage too. God, everyone hates wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sam, let's talk about this fight because coming out of your last one, you you posted, I think it was on Instagram and you were very honest. You were very honest. You said, you know what? I I think I'm probably done. You know, the UFC is probably going to let me go. Uh, and you know, that's, that is what it is. But then you talk to them and they said, we're going to let you fight out your contract. And you were, you were honest about it and you were kind of emotional about it. And I love that, you know, honesty about it. Um, can you, I don't want to make you restate what you stated, you know, here we sit seven days out from the fight. I don't want you to restate everything, but I love the honesty about that because you are, because you are on social media so much, you have a chance to address people and you know, people are going to address when you're off a couple losses, they're going to say, Oh my God, why are you getting another chance? I'll never understand that because you getting another chance doesn't mean somebody else got sacrificed, which is ridiculous to think because the UFC, if they want to keep you, they're going to keep you. If they want to get rid of you, they're going to get rid of you. And you and I both know that you could have 20 fights in the promotion. You could have one fight in the promotion. If they don't want you around, they're going to get rid of you. It doesn't matter whether Sam Alvey's on the, on the roster or not, but you were very honest about that. And I love that. Could you kind of walk me through like the emotion of that moment, just knowing that you're going to get this fight and, and fight out your contract. And they gave you that opportunity. And you kind of, you kind of earned it. You've been around for a while. You fought when you didn't have to fight. You took on opponents on short notice. You stepped up when you didn't have to step up. And, and I think that's why they're giving you this opportunity. Am I wrong? No, that that's what uh, that's what they told me. They I was walking into a YMCA. Uh, Mick Maynard called. My wife happened to be walking out, so I grabbed her real quick. We went to the car, and he he chatted with us. And uh, it, it it was I mean, my wife and I knew we were we were going to get cut. It was just there's no two ways about it. And he decided not to cut us. He said, "Listen, we've talked to Dana, we've talked to everyone, and uh, these are the reasons." They kind of said, "Listen, you've taken a lot of fights that." that most people would not have taken the short notice. You've gone across seas. You've done this. You've always showed up and your fights are always entertaining. And he said, on top of all that said, 
you are a joy to work with. He said, when you come to fight week, when you come to the PI, when you do anything like that, your team is always somebody everyone's excited to see. Everyone's excited to work with. You You bring a positivity with you that most fighters don't. And he said, we appreciate that. So you've got one fight on your contract yet. He said, we, 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 and he said it kind of, he said, we recommend you retire afterwards, but you know, we'll let you fight out the, the last, it was kind of like hey, you're probably not going to retire, but we're going to say we we recommend it. Um, and so we'll see we'll see what happens. I'm going to go out. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight to to get re-signed. Um, they, they were very nice about it. I I've been with the I think this is my 25th fight in the UFC. I've been there for the last decade. Uh, I've had a lot of good fights, a couple of the night performances, and uh, most <laughs> as of like my. They also said they said and that you have had a lot of judge decisions that they don't quite agree with um so between all of those reasons said we're gonna let you fight out your contract and i said well thank you so much you've just made my day i'm gonna go around on the treadmill and get ready for the next one um and uh that, that's what i've been doing ever since that phone call i've been re-energized re-hyped and uh i it's it's a chance I, i'm fighting for for the future of you know smiling sam yeah, you uh, you, when you look at the record, immediately people say, "Well, you haven't won a fight in a while," and not that you need anyone to yeah. tell you that. You said that in the video. I know I haven't won a fight in a while, but you have. I think this is the problem when we have bad judges' decisions or you know things like an eye poke ending the fight. Sometimes we lose perspective of how a fight plays out. We just look at the win or the loss. And I say that all the time. We can sit here and complain all the day about a bad judge's decision, but six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, somebody looks at the record, they just see loss. They don't necessarily remember that it was a split decision. They don't necessarily remember that everybody in the world gave you the fight and nobody scored it for your opponent, except for the judges on that night. Uh, Right. You've had a couple of bad luck things happen in there. You had a split draw. You had a you know a couple of split decisions. You had to, you know and listen. There's again take nothing away from like Brendan Allen. He got a legitimate win. Good for him. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But when people look at your record, is that probably the toughest pill to swallow? Is that we do lose perspective on why you've had the run you've had on. Not to say every fight you'll. I'm sure you'll take full responsibility for a couple of those fights. Say I just lost the fight. But there have been some other you know, circumstances, yeah. and you can say, yeah, I got the bad end of a decision, or this happened, that happened. It's just too easy to look at a record and say, well, yeah, I want to fight in a while, that's it. And I think that's the problem. We, we lose perspective on why things happen, not just that they happened. Yeah, it's given me an opportunity to try to, try to come up with some funny one-liners to, to get back at them to – because you can't say, well, go watch all of my last eight fights. And you'll see, I probably won four of them. I I, I can't keep saying that, so I, I don't. I try and come up with some way of, well, just wait till the next one or, or stuff like that. Um, I, I'm very excited to get off this this long, miserable skid I've been on um, and just leave, leave the internet speechless. Uh, that, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to. I, I the the comment the only comments that really bothered me is oh you can't listen to this guy he's on a he's on a seven fight Terry he hasn't won a fight since whenever so well that doesn't I it's like oh man and it's it, it, you just feel it's like guys I do this every day I I may not have won but I train I understand the sport I have done more with the sport than most people ever will understand um, I I understand what's going on in there and for you to now not take anything I any opinion I have you know credibly is that, that that those are the comments that that stick with me a little bit say so, yeah, just 
And then, then I got to remember, they're helping the algorithm. So if they're going to comment bad, whatever, just comment and you'll help my algorithm one way or another. Yeah. And for the most part, the comments have been positive. Most most people do enjoy do do enjoy me. They enjoy my fights. They they understand that that fight. You know, bad luck happens, and I've been I've had some bad luck and some bad skill and some. Um, but uh, it 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 does. I'm looking forward to getting this next win under my belt. So I can say, oh yeah, well I won my last one. <laughs> don't don't look at anything before that. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, how do you approach this one, Sam? In terms of you know your own expectations, because obviously you want to go out there and win. But you said like when the UFC called you, they're saying we're gonna give you this last fight in your contract. You know, retire. Maybe I retire afterwards. Whatever the case may be. And you just said like I'm fighting to get resigned. I'm not fighting just to fight my last fight and be done with the UFC. I want to fight, and they're gonna give me a new contract. How do you approach this? Because again, that does put pressure on you, though. I mean, you want to win no matter what. I don't think there's anything I could say or the UFC could say or the fans could say that makes you want to win more than you already want to win. Because I know you want to win. I know that. That's not that's a that's a ridiculous statement to think anything anyone's gonna to say to you is gonna want gonna make you want to win more than you already want to win. But does that raise the expectation? Does that raise the pressure? Do you welcome that pressure saying, I know I need to win here? Because I do want to get re-signed. I want to get that in the back. I want McManager to come up and say, we're going to give you a new four or five deal or whatever the case may be. You know, pressure is the wrong word. There's always pressure on me. I'm the, I'm the provider for my family. So every win, every every fight, everything I've got going is I'm putting, I, I need to win to provide for my family. So the pressure of getting re-signed or not getting re-signed, it's, it's, I, I've got talents outside of fighting. So even if, you know, worst case scenario, I break my toe on the way into the cage and it's an automatic, I, whatever happens, I will, the good Lord's on my shoulder, whatever comes next, I will be successful at that as well. However, this fight is what is next for me right now. And I'm just, I, I have trained my ass off. I know what I've done. I know who I'm supposed to fight as of now. And uh, <laughs> I, I know that what I have done to, to prepare for this fight has been more than enough. I know I have pushed myself sweat hard enough, uh, blood enough times that, that this is the time my stars are aligning. I'm going to show up. I'm going to perform. I'm going to listen to my coaches. I'm going to listen to my wife and uh, I, I'm going to go out there and get the win. So I, I don't feel the, I don't feel any more pressure than I normally would. I, I've, I've done more in this sport than most people ever will. And I'm very proud of what I've been able to do. I'm going to be even more proud when I get this, you know, when I, when I break this skid. Yeah. So when you say it, like your, your approach to this fight saying, I'm going to win and then I'm going to get that new deal. I'm going to get a new contract. I'm going to get the UFC to resign me. That's the way you're approaching it. Not, I need to win this fight or I'm out of the UFC. It's I'm going to win and I'm going to get a new contract. I'm going to win. I'm going to make a lot of new fans doing it. I'm going to get this new contract. They're, they're going to, you know, what's going to happen. The UFC is going to re-sign me. They're going to say, you know, the fight we want to see, you know, the fight that people want to see, they want to see you fight Nick Diaz, Sam. That's what people want to see. They want to see Nick Diaz fight an old legend. They don't want to, they don't want Nick Diaz to fight the young bucks. They want that. That's what they want. That's the fight. Uh, that's the fight I'm fighting for this time. Now, there you go. I like that a lot. Now, hold on now. Now, Sam, you're like the incredible inflating and deflating man, because I remember when you fought at 170 on the Ultimate Fighter, I remember going back to those days of you cutting the welterweight, how much fun that was. Uh, what weight would you fight Nick Diaz at? Because you're 205 right now. What are you going to I can't imagine. I know Nick's fought at 185. What, what, what weight are we talking about here? My, my upcoming fight is 85. 
That's right. I'm sorry, 85. Excuse me, 85. No, it's, it's yeah. My last fight was supposed to be 85, too. Until it went to the 205. Fight happened and then, yeah, they said, oh, you got to fight up. Uh, yeah, no, I if he his last fight was supposed to be 70, I think the week of he changed it to be like 190 or something. I'll fight him wherever he wants to if that's the fight that the UFC wants, if that's a fight he wants. Um, I, I think it would be a, a fun fight. I think he'd have a good time with it. I don't think there's any reasons he would say no to a 185 fight. Um, and I, I, I would, I would be honored to share the cage with someone like him. Yeah. I love that attitude, you know, and because again, I think that some people, and you know, this as well as I do, I think some people go in with a little bit of a defeatist attitude saying I'm fighting, I'm fighting not to get cut. They're not fighting to get re-signed. They're not fighting to, you know, I'm going to get a new four fight deal. They're fighting because they don't want to get cut. And that's a different attitude, right? Like that's a different approach. That's a different approach to fighting a fight just to save your job versus fighting for the future. If that makes sense. I I have had, I've had job. I have had fights where I was fighting to get into the UFC. This is just another one of those fights. I am fighting to get into the UFC, to get that new contract into the UFC. And uh, that's, it's a wonderful feeling. I'm not worried about getting cut. They can't cut me after this. It's my contract's up, but I can win. I can impress them and I can get a new, a new, new contract. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Sam, uh, I'm glad you're back. I'm always happy to speak with you. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work on TikTok. not to take distraction away from your fight. Can I hope, I know you get real busy during fight week and you're one of the videos you did actually talking about weight cutting, which I thought was fascinating. Like the long road of weight cutting. I think you said you cut 29 pounds over a period of time you get your body conditioned to cut weight another fascinating video do you are you gonna make videos during fight week yeah oh i always do i have so much fun on tiktok during fight week because i i do everything a lot of fighters they show up to fight week and they go from the bathtub to their bed to the food line to the bed they're very i have fought everywhere in the world i've been everywhere in the world and uh i always experience wherever i am this time I'm in Vegas. There are no COVID restrictions on me. I'm going to go out. I'm going to see the city. I'm going to enjoy the city. Uh, and I'm going to make videos the whole the whole week about everything I'm doing. I love it. Keep it up, man. Like I said, I it, it does take a lot to stand out on a platform like TikTok because there's so many people out there. But yours is really fascinating. I would recommend anyone that's on TikTok to follow you because it is, it's an educational experience. Like I said, I've been covering this sport for 20 years and even I learned something on there. So I, I love it. So keep up the good work there. Best of luck in the fight, Sam. I'm sure we'll catch up afterwards. And thank you as always for the time. I really do appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you, my friend. Hey, and I wanted to, to say, so I follow you on, on Twitter and after every fight, you are the Twitter feed I go to to find out who won everything, who won the bonuses, who did this, who did that. And it's always been really nice having you on there because whatever question I have in my head, your, your Twitter usually has just covered it. So I, I appreciate that about, about what you what you do too. I appreciate that. I try to keep everyone informed as best I can. So I appreciate that. So yeah, so see, social media works, right? Like we're both connecting on social media and it's not just, it's not just a toxic place to call names to people. Yeah. When I fought Julian Marquez, I won the, the fight of the night bonus and nobody had told me I kind, I, I, I heard something and so 
the first thing it is, I went to your Twitter feed to see if I won it. And it was your Twitter that told me I won the extra 50 grand. There you oh go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there yeah. you go. See? It works out. Well, I appreciate that, Sam. And like I said, I appreciate you always taking the time. Uh, can't wait. So like I said, win, lose, or draw. We know when you step in there, it's going to be a fun fight. And I think that says a lot about your character and one of the reasons people always want to see you fight. Because when you, we know when Sam Alvey fights, it's going to be a Sam Alvey fight. And I mean that as a compliment. Uh, so go out there and have a Sam Alvey LV fight and I cannot wait to see it back in action in just a matter of days my friend hey I thank you so much sir we'll see you then alright talk to you soon alright we'll talk to you soon buddy a big thank you once again to Sam Alvey for coming on the show. As I said, you know, you don't have to love Sam Alvey. And I understand if you don't. I understand if you don't like that he's gotten so many shots in the UFC, if you don't like his politics. Listen, I don't agree with his politics necessarily, some of the things he said you know, we don't necessarily agree with, but I'm a big proponent for, you know, you're never going to find middle ground with anybody if you can't ever try to just, you know, you, you like, we don't necessarily need to talk about every subject in the world uh, to, to have a conversation. And, you know, like I said, you may not like Sam Alvey. That's fine. You may not, you may not like him at all. You may think he's a terrible fighter. You may just don't like his personality. You don't like the UFC is giving him a chance to have a fight after a, you know, a seven fight losing streak with one draw. I don't know, whatever the reason may be, you're entitled to your opinion, but I've always liked Sam. I've always gotten along with Sam. I've always liked Sam's demeanor when it comes to fighting. And I think he actually is a really, really good mind when it comes to a perspective on fighting because he's been around so long. This guy's been around since the early days and he's stuck around. And I like that. And I always like talking to the kind of OG guys. I mean, this is a guy who grew up training with Dan Henderson, you know, in that camp out in Temecula. So I always like talking to Sam. I always like his perspective. Uh, again, don't always agree with him. That's okay. That's not my job to agree with someone. That's fine. Uh, but I always enjoy talking to him. And uh, hopefully you all enjoyed that interview. It was a lot of fun talking to him about his fight, about his TikTok, and of course, about what may be his final fight in the UFC, depending on how things go on Saturday night. Uh, big thank you once again to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the Fighter versus the Rider. As I mentioned, sorry for my voice. I am under the weather dealing with COVID-19, but I'm feeling a little bit better and hopefully going to feel better each passing day. So hopefully next week I'll be back to normal or some sense of normal uh, in a regular episode next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. A big thank you once again to Anthony Pettis and Sam Alvey for coming on the show. Uh, make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course you can always find us over on MMAfighting.com. We'll see you guys next week for another edition of The Fighter vs. The Rider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.